Thanks for joining me on the first episode of Inside the Scale. I'm Adam Cockle, an entrepreneur that wants to help make work better. Before we get started, let me give you some background on me and why I'm doing this. In my early 20s, I joined a fast-growing startup and ended up building a team of about 15 people. Like many other startup employees, I found myself scaling a team in uncharted territory. I made a ton of mistakes, but the experiences and lessons that I learned along the way continue to be invaluable to me. As I talked with other people with similar experiences, I couldn't help but notice that these stories, these lessons were hard to find. Um, especially compared to founder CEO stories, right? So there's a lot of content out there on founders and CEOs of successful startups and how they grew their companies. Um, but this high level insight is inspiring and fascinating, but usually exactly that, right? It's, it's high level. Um, it really makes you want to start a company and, you know, it can give you some clues as to how to do that. But I was really interested in, I am really interested in the, the details of how, how things actually behind the scenes actually work at a lot of different companies. So this series will focus on the challenges and lessons of the behind the scenes leaders that help companies get to the next level. Uh, these aren't the founders or CEOs, but maybe the VPs or the directors, senior directors, maybe the marketing managers, the people that help these startups get to the next level. Today, a good friend of mine, Bobby Pinero, is in the building. Bobby started working at Intercom at about the same time that I started growing my team at the ad tech company I worked for. Um, in the startup world, it's funny, a lot of people refer to their companies as rocket ships, but I think Intercom is truly a rocket ship. Intercom is next level. Their, their growth has really been impressive. As head of finance, Bobby has helped the company scale from 20 to over 600 employees, which is incredible. I, I don't think that many people at all get to have this type of experience. I know that Bobby has a lot to say, so I'm incredibly excited to help share Bobby's lessons with the world. I could not think of a better first guest. Thank you for being first, and welcome to Inside the Scale, Bobby. Hey, Adam. Uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So Bobby, I know it's very hard to, to use the internet without seeing Intercom these days, but um, for, for those people that don't know what Intercom is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Intercom is a customer messaging platform that helps sales, support, and marketing kind of better interact with customers in a more personal way. So I, I always see Intercom uh, if I'm, I'm browsing a website and uh, there, a little widget pops up and asks me if I need help with anything or if I want to talk to someone. It, it really kind of adds a more personal layer to um, the, the experience, your, your experience on a website or in an app. Correct. Yeah. So, so the kind of idea behind Intercom is that uh, you know, all teams within a company can communicate with their customers uh, in one place and um, you know, most of our interactions are messenger first, which is pretty different than kind of uh, any other kind of uh, customer communication software out there. And you've allowed Intercom, you've helped Intercom scale to 600 employees 
Tell me what that looks like right now for you. Yeah, so, um, you know, for me, well, right now I run the finance, uh, the finance, accounting, and business operations team. So um, I have a team that is kind of our financial planning and analysis team, FP&A. Um, then the accounting team, they kind of, you know, uh, maintain uh, our financial statements and then do a, a handful of other kind of things uh, across the company. And then business operations, which is um, a team that kind of works in a highly strategic, highly consultative type way. They're kind of our internal internal consultants. Our, um, I kind of call them our SWAT team. They go in whenever a problem is kind of too hard for any one department to kind of tackle or drive forward. That's pretty unique. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th like, I think it's becoming more and more of a kind of, um, it's, uh, we brought business operations team, we brought business operations into Intercom about three years ago. Um, it wasn't something, it was actually something that uh, an external folk, uh, an external person had kind of come in and pitched us on. It wasn't something that we were intentionally kind of looking to build. Um, but uh, yeah, that's been a big part of helping us scale and kind of helping us, uh, you know, identify kind of, I think a lot of the most interesting projects and a lot of the kind of most critical uh, questions that a startup or any company really has to answer are at the intersection of a lot of the kind of um, departments in a company. So like, you know, where sales meets marketing, where marketing meets R&D, where R&D meets marketing. Um, and so to build a team who kind of their only remit or their, their kind of main focus is to sit at those intersections and ask those questions and kind of drive that forward, um, that's been really, really valuable to us. And um, yeah, the team's small but uh, mighty and has worked on, again, kind of the most uh, important questions that we have as a business and as a company over the past you know, three years. Um, so incredibly, incredibly valuable to us. So Bobby, what are your team's values? Yeah, uh, so um, you know, for, we call ourselves Team Fab, we're finance, accounting, and biz ops. Uh, so uh, Team Fab. Uh, we I have, like that. We have a, <laughs> We have a, a handful of, uh, of values, but I think really the kind of most important things, uh, number one is, and this is, uh, you know, it, it connects really well with the kind of overall values that we have as a company at Intercom. Um, but the most important thing that we kind of look for when we're hiring folks or when we're assessing folks on the team uh, is, is really that kind of growth mindset. Um, it's really, you know, when you're, when you're at a company like Intercom that's growing so quickly where it's virtually impossible to predict the types of problems that you're gonna have in three months, six months, 12 months, two years. Um, you know, it's, it's really important that when you hire folks or that when you kind of have folks on the team and you're investing in them, that they have the kind of, that they have that mindset to kind of go learn, go take on more responsibility, go when they see a problem, try to identify it, try to figure out a solution where they're really kind of proactive um, because, you know, you can't, you just can't hire when you're, when you're scaling that quickly, you just can't hire people that are kind of just going to come in and do what they know how to do, check the boxes, kind of um, do the same thing that they've been doing for the past kind of 10 years. Uh, so you just, you know, the most important thing that I've, you know, it's just finding people who are excited about learning, taking on new challenges, growing. Um, 
so that's really you know that's really been the most important thing and you know when I think about myself I really really identify with that um, you know other things I mean you know humble low ego like you know we kind of I, I just personally like to work with people that are uh, you know that way you know we've been talking a lot about intercom now and your team now uh, what I'd like to do though is go back to the beginning. So how did we get to this point where it sounds like you're, you know, you're still at a startup, but you're running uh, a relatively mature organization. You have three different departments and um, you have one team that even kind of operates like a SWAT team, um, which I, 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 you know, it sounds like that's a, a luxury that a lot of organizations can't have. So let's kind of jump to the beginning and, and I'd, I'd love to just understand how you got to Intercom, and I'd love to hear more about how everything looked when you first got there. So I got through Intercom through a buddy of mine who uh, worked at uh, the venture fund that led our Series A social capital. So uh, I worked with him many years ago at IBM. And um, Intercom raised their Series A. He, uh, he got excited about the kind of uh, potential of the company. And um, I think it was like the first board meeting that Intercom had or something like that. Uh, there was like no numbers, there was no deck. And so they were like, we need somebody who can kind of come in and okay. <laughs> organize the numbers. Um, and so he called me, we had lunch. I wasn't looking to leave the kind of uh, last job I was in, but um, I got really excited when um, I met uh, Owen, our CEO, and I met Mamoon, who was the uh, kind of uh, lead investor from Social Capital. Um, they got me really excited about, well, one, uh, I wanted to, last company I was in was not a product first company, it was a, call it more marketing first company. Um, I wanted to be in a place where um, the product, the, the kind of uh, product know-how was like embedded deeply into the kind of uh, genetics of the company. And uh, where the where our customers like loved the product that they were using, I, like that to me was really important. I, I wanted to, you know, again be proud of the product that we were kind of working on. Um, and I remember going on when I when I first came across Intercom, I remember going on Twitter and just looking at Intercom handle, and it just it was just like people were just people just loved it, um, and so that spoke to me. And then. I remember just the the kind of pain point that Intercom was solving this like the lack of kind of the the siloed communication across departments with customers the lack of integration to the actual kind of like uh, underlying data stores that like you the data sources that you have about you know your customers I just had lived that pain like I I can't tell you how many reports I'd run for you know the marketing team from our SQL database because they couldn't get the most accurate information or the most up to date report like you know and then I I give it to them and then a day later it's out of date and they need something else and it's I've lived the pain of not having intercom um, and so it just felt like this really big huge opportunity and then uh, when I joined or when I came in. Uh, it was 20 people worldwide, eight people here in San Francisco, and then 12 folks or so out in, uh, in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, the company's uh, kind of four co-founders are Irish. Um, 
and all of the kind of uh, product and engineering work was being done in Dublin and then here in San Francisco it was the CEO, um, a couple engineers and then uh, a handful of support folks. And when I joined, um, you know, there was at least from a kind of financial reporting or a kind of business analysis perspective, there were a few things in place. Like our CTO had actually done a pretty good job of kind of uh, setting up, I remember it, some, some kind of, da what was the product? Oh, I can't remember the, the name of the product that we used, but um, set up a kind of few dashboards that had like, hey, look, here's, here's what our ARR is, uh, annual recurring revenue, here's uh, how many customers start paying us in any given month, um, and a few other, few other kind of metrics. Um, but the financial statements were non-existent. I think it was like, you know, the EA to the CEO had our financial statements in a Google sheet and it was like three lines that didn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> so uh, the kind of first, the very first thing that I, that I worked on was um, cleaning up our financial statements and then building out an actual kind of uh, model that we could use to uh, project our revenue and then um, kind of, I, we call it our operating model. It's, you know, everything from revenue to all the costs in the business to all the expense in the business. Uh, just understanding kind of where we were as a business at that point in time. Uh, and then trying to make some kind of rough estimates of where we were looking, you know, where we were gonna be in the next six to 12 months. So you get into Intercom and the CTO had set up some sort of process and it was the most... I mean, um, it was very basic, yeah. Right, but it was probably the best thing that you had going at the time. Um, how do you decide what your priorities are? Um, there's no other finance person there. Yeah. And you're the first one. Where do you even start? Yeah, I mean, there were, like, there were, some, there were some obvious things. So, you know, um, I leaned a lot on... Um, the folks at Social Capital to help me, they'd kind of scaled things before. So, you know, that would be a definitely, like for anybody in kind of that position now or about to be in that position, you know, I'd say kind of lean on your investors a bit at that point because they can help you. They've seen this kind of, um, they can help you kind of figure out what's what's the, what are the biggest kind of priorities. Um, and, and was that a normal interaction for you or? I mean, it was new for me, but you know, I knew um, I had kind of uh, gotten to know Moon through the interview process, and then I knew my friend Andy. Um, I knew him well, and so, um, you know, I think the very, literally the first thing I did, or one of the first projects that I did when I got there was build, a, build that financial model that I then sent over to Social Capital to kind of get their advice, and they gave me some feedback, and we kind of went back and forth on it. Um, and then that was the thing that we used internally as kind of our... Um, we use that to check in on, you know, our hiring plans for the next year. We use that to check in on kind of um, where we were going to, where we were point. I joined in October of 2013, so where we were kind of pointed to finish uh, 2013 from an ARR perspective. Um, but so, so, so investors and, you know, outside folks can definitely be a resource to you. Um, you know, for me, it was more just like, I don't know, when you join a company that small, you kind of, your mindset has to be, and mine was, like, I think it has to be some version of, you know, what can I do to have the most impact on this business as possible? And as soon as you kind of ask yourself that question, 
your priorities kind of fall from there. Um, and so, you know, for me it was, what can I do to have the most impact on this business? Well, I think that we probably just need to understand how our business works. And that's the most impactful thing that I think I could, that I, that I could do and, 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 and tried to do. So it was, you know, for me it was about coming in and, you know, trying to organize all the information that we had to understand. So like, you know, let's have a funnel. Let's look at how many visitors we get on a weekly basis. Let's look at how many of those visitors not just become paid customers, but let's look kind of, let's start to break that out into more detail. So let's start saying, okay, how many of them give us their email address? Of the ones that give us their email address, how many of them become, you know, install the application? Of the ones that install the application, how many of them start a trial? Of the trials, how many of them actually end up being paid customers? What are all the things that they do between installing the application and becoming a paid customer that are kind of, you know, correlated with them actually paying us or paying us for multiple months? Um, and so trying to kind of, as soon as you kind of get into that mindset of what can I do to like understand the business better and um, kind of dissect the business and try to understand the kind of drivers behind the business, then you're, then the priorities just, that those are the priorities at that point in time. Um, for me, it wasn't like, you know, it was, it wasn't higher. It wasn't, um, you know, make sure we're ready for financial audit. It wasn't, um, you know, I don't know. It was. It wasn't kind of like housekeeping things like that. It was more. Let's understand our business and let's understand the main things behind it, so we can do more of that. And is this what the team wanted of you? Was this? Did they have expectations about what you would do when you got in there? Or I think it was. You know, I actually. I, I don't know. I've never kind of asked that. <laughs> okay. um, it's well. I mean, I, like. I. I think so. Um, I, I think had I come in and tried to, you know, uh, do anything else but like really understand the business and help people get more clarity on what, you know, how our business works and the kind of, again, the drivers behind it all. Um, I think if I tried to do anything other than that, I think I would have been wasting, you know, everyone's time. Well, what's interesting about that to me is Owen, you know, social capital, they could have easily just found someone to fill in their finance uh, you know holes um, but they actually looked for someone that had the analytics skills and had the finance skills and knew how to actually think about what the business needed it's really important I think more and more that kind of finance folks and you you see it also on the kind of like product management side you see it on like even like the sales ops sales enablement side you probably see it in a whole bunch of different functions but uh, people got it like people have to in those roles they've got to start getting a little bit more technical. It doesn't mean they need to know how to, like, I'm, when I say technical, I mean like, you know, writing SQL queries. That's like, a, for me, um, the thing that like, I think really allowed me to be successful when I first joined Intercom was the fact that in my last role, I had one, learned SQL really well, so I knew how to get into, you know, every kind of nook and cranny of our database. And then I'd, I'd learned, um, I taught myself in the last job, uh, Python. And not like, I, not Python to like build anything, but Python to just run some scripts and do some analysis. And that really enabled me to be successful because 
when I came in, uh, again, I talked about kind of our CTO having set up uh, some dashboards, but all of our reporting was straight out of our production database, which is not a good thing to like run analysis out of your production database for a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, I think at one point, like, I took down the app because I was running some mega query on the production on the uh, uh, production database that, uh, yeah, you just don't want to do that. Right. Um, you didn't know so any better. Though. I didn't. I didn't know any better, and there was no there, there was, was no nowhere option. else to get data. Right. So then from there we created a, a replica. Then I you know that was what we used to kind of uh, query things, but. Um, no, for probably, and, and, and we can go into kind of like all the things that I do differently because this is one of them, but probably for the first year and a half of Intercom, I remember creating, and I didn't, I didn't even know enough about like data engineering to really know what I was doing, but I, you know, we had this replica database and I would, I just had all these huge SQL queries and these huge Python folders that I would every day run up on a server and I would pull all of the kind of uh, information, any changes that came out of that SQL database, and then I dumped them into a new database that I just created, and it was like this mini ETL that I had created, and then I'd use these like cleaned up tables as like my source of truth for all the kind of financial information for getting around kind of, um, because you know our production database was meant for the app. It was, you know, here's an example like, um, you know, to know we didn't have any history of, you know, for any given app, we knew whether or not they were paying us at that moment or not, and how much they were paying us at that, at that moment. But we didn't know, you know, you couldn't get out of that database how much they paid us last month or whether or not they had paid us last month. And so it was, you know, I used this kind of like ETL or like these like, you know, SQL queries in Python to like create this history of, yeah, they paid us. No, they didn't pay us. Um, until we actually like went and like built out the proper like you know I had we eventually got kind of engineers to help us like build this all out properly so it wasn't on this like little janky SQL query and Python script that that I'd written. But um, long story short, I mean I just think uh, particularly at that kind of at that stage. Um, a lot of companies I don't think would be successful hiring in a call it, you know, really experienced senior hands off type of like, you know, CFO or finance person. A lot of like, you know, companies at that stage should be looking for folks who are kind of um, maybe a little bit earlier in their career, hungry, ambitious, and who have those kind of, who, who are willing and able to both roll up their sleeves and kind of can be a little bit technical. And so just for the people that might have gotten lost in the technical terms, so um, if I were to take a step back, essentially what you're saying is that you're interacting with the back-end services of, your, of Intercom's application and pulling data that you need to make sense of it in order to you know, build a profile or better analytic information to make decisions. So let's kind of take a step back though. So you got into Intercom. There wasn't too much already set up for you. You were able to figure out your priorities, but it sounds like the first thing that you really started working on was building out automation and scheduled 
operations that would allow you to do your job more effectively. When did you start to think about actually increasing your headcount and what sort of triggered that? Or maybe this all happened at the same time. Maybe you were writing scripts while you were hiring. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of both. Uh, honestly, I mean, the, the, the writing scripts and like all that, uh, the, the kind of like building dashboards, automation, that stuff, I mean, that was just me trying to get myself out of like this huge, you know, hole I was in. Right. It was just so much work, so much, so many questions, so many things kind of coming at me that, you know, I just, the more that I could automate the things that I was working on, the more I could work on. Right. Um, and, and you couldn't do it alone. Well, yeah. So, so I mean, definitely, like, we definitely got to a point where, where I couldn't do it alone. But, um, you know, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it all kind of, it's, I mean, we're still playing that same game, right? Like, it, it never kind of actually, I don't think the pendulum ever kind of swings from, like, uh, in, like, wholly in one direction in that, um, you know, from the very beginning, it was try to scale, try to automate, try to get things off my plate, try to, like, have scripts that would do things or, like, get little, like, analyses that would just get sent to me via email or sent to others. Um, and then the complexity of the business just continues to increase. And so one, you need to do that more, and then two, you need to kind of hire more folks that can help you do more of that. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. Um, once you start building your team out, um, how did you maintain team identity, culture how are you able to keep your values consistent yeah that's hard um it's a good question it's hard um so let's see a whole bunch of lessons kind of learned along the way here so uh first thing i'd say is you can't really care for your team unless you care for yourself and what i mean by that is um your team like you as a leader on the team uh, there's this concept I like to call it kind of like um, emotional contagion like people like the way that you are as a leader the way that you carry yourself the smallest little things the way that you say something the way that you emote you the way that you uh, handle a situation uh, they're always kind of watching you and um, I think the morale of, in my experience, the morale of the team is a direct reflection of kind of, or like just directly follows a kind of like your own morale. Um, and so making sure that you're taking care of yourself as a leader, making sure that you're finding time to disconnect, to get breaks, to stay positive, to, um, you know, um, again, kind of take care of yourself, that goes a long way because when that flips, when you're not taking care of yourself and when you're negative or hurting or frustrated or whatever, um, the team will pick that up so quickly um, and, and they will become that same way. Um, so that, that, that's really like the, the, the first thing I'd say there. Um, I think another kind of piece that I've learned over time as the team's gotten bigger and bigger is you just you, you can't do it yourself. Like you have to find people on the team who can help you manage, like uh, manage the team, be examples, be role models, be leaders amongst the team. You need to lean on them. You need to 
whether it's you know team meetings whether it's events whether it's small things in the office whether it's celebrating each other whether it's you can't do it all yourself and the more that you just try to take it on yourself the harder it's I mean you just you just don't you're not gonna have with everything else all the other demands of the business you're just not gonna have the time and the energy to do it and so identifying who those people are who they kind of call it influencers and the team are and making sure that they know that that's the role they play in the team and that they um, that you're looking for them being explicit with them and telling them that you're looking for them to like you know be an example to the team step up you're you're thinking about them in that way most people get fired up when you tell them that um, and that can go a long way in the team too because there's so many interactions the team has that you're not even present for um, so making sure that you have kind of a strong you know right-hand person who can be you know who would who will be a you know represent the team well or kind of uh, um, yeah who can kind of like be that pillar within the team wow that was not the answer I was expecting but I like that yeah I mean like <laughs> like I, I, I mean those are real things that I've learned over over the past few years um, you know uh, they're just like yeah those are just they're just examples of things that I picked up so did your team's values line up with your organization's values? Did, you, did your team have its own set of values um, that were maybe different than the organization's? Um, tell me more about that. Yeah, uh, so we, um, the original, so I, I guess the like short answer is at Intercom, the way that we set our company values, so it, it actually turned out that uh, it took us a, a bit of a bit. It took us some time to set out our company values, and the way that we eventually got there, and the way that we got to a place where the company of where the company values resonated with the company, was we'd actually gotten to a place where pretty much every department or every like mini team within the company had their own set of values. Okay. And we had. <laughs> I remember it. It was a, a an executive offsite where we, we asked every single team to bring in their values and we put them all on a board and then we looked at them all and they were just, I mean, they were just, it was, it just, there were so many similarities between all the values on the team. And I mean, it, like that makes sense given that, you know, we hired, you know, a, a lot of the folks, you know, in the room had hired the folks that had created those values type of thing. Sure. Um, and so it actually, ours was a little bit more kind of like bottoms up and, um, you know, kind of uh, grassroots, if you'd like to, if, if, if you may. Um, but it ended up being that our company values kind of were derived from all of the values across, across all of the teams in the company. So they are very interlinked. Um, and I think, you know, that's why the values of the company to this day, you know, we set them probably four years ago now, and they're 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 the exact same. Wow, that's incredible, actually. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, it was, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was a really important uh, important exercise for the company. Yeah, I my impression is that most companies either 
sort of wait too late to figure out what their culture is or they try to enforce a culture from the top down. So to hear that you guys actually took a bottoms up approach and the the employees had sort of implicitly already adopted it is pretty incredible. Yeah. So I wanna take a little bit of a detour for a second. Tell me what the biggest challenge that you faced in your experience was. It was about two to three years into my time at Intercom where I had, I don't remember what it was, maybe like 12 direct reports and they were all, and you know, they were all, I was, I was junior in my career. I mean, at that point I was probably 27 years old and um, you know, they were all uh, relatively kind of uh, junior folks as well. Um, you know, I think almost every single one of them, every single one of them had less experience than I did. And uh, that just crippled me. It just crushed me. It basically, you know, um, it was my 100% my own fault. And, you know, I hired folks to kind of do jobs maybe that were a little bit too big for them or my expectations were too high or um, I didn't kind of set them up for success and wasn't able to kind of give them the time to uh, support them and grow them and um, help them through the challenges that they were kind of going through in the organization. And um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, it, it one took a huge burden on me. Like it just, it was a tremendous amount of work for me and I couldn't keep up with it. And then two was not a great experience for them, I'm sure, cause they were kind of in over their heads and uh, not getting the kind of, again, management support that maybe they wanted or needed. Um, and, and it wasn't a good kind of experience for the rest of the company as well because, you know, the, the teams weren't necessarily getting what they wanted. Um, and, and then I remember, um, you know, over the course of basically six months, I think, you know, most of the team attrited out. Um, and that was a really hard, that was probably the biggest challenge that I faced at Intercom was like basically, that was, it was mostly the analytics team, but it, you know, it was a little bit on the FP&A side as well. And um, I just remember being, uh, one, like it threw me for a loop in terms of, you know, my own confidence as a manager and leader. And, uh, you know, that, that was its own journey. Um, and then, you know, then the challenge became, how do I rebuild this team? And I think the single thing that saved me and has, you know, saved me over the past couple of years has been hiring folks that were significantly more senior than I was. So the, the three folks that reported to me uh, that I kind of used to scale up each of the, the teams all had more experience than I do. They're all more experienced than I am. Um, and that was... Convincing them to join was, was hard and convincing them to kind of work for me was hard, but you know, it was part of you know, my pitch to them was like, hey look, I'm not gonna get in your way. This is, a, this is a partnership, we're gonna do this together. You're gonna teach me things and I've got things that I can kind of you know, do and teach you and help you with in the organization. And so come and you know, do this thing with me. 
uh, with us and get excited because we're building something awesome here and you, you're going to want to be a part of this, I promise. Um, and it just, I mean, it just fundamentally like transformed what I do at work every day, how much time I, you know, how much time off I can take, uh, you know, uh, my weekends, things like that. Um, and, um, you know, and also just like fundamentally just up leveled the team, the, 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 the work product, the output, the analysis, the things that we were able to accomplish and do. Um, and so I think a lot of folks get, I see a lot of folks kind of just get, especially in the scaling stages, um, at least the mistake I made, the biggest, the mistake I made there was just thinking that I could get by with hiring folks that didn't have more experience than I had and flipping that on its head has been the best thing I've done in the past two, two and a half years. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, you know, it's uh, very clear that you're very self-aware and, and, and humble. Um, and for you to be able to recognize that at the time, I think is pretty unique. You know, I think when, when a lot of people go through challenges like that, they might not be able to see the forest through the trees, but you were able to realize that, you know, the problem um, was the level of, level of experience that the team had um, and that you had to correct that. Um, yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to give myself full credit on that either. I mean, I definitely had people in the company giving me that advice and that input as well. So um, it wasn't just uh, uh, me being aware of that. But yeah, I mean, I think you have to be a little bit like, um, I will say it was like at, at different points in time in the beginning particularly, it was, you know, you, it that like imposter syndrome kind of come creeps its head up, right? Where you're, you know, oh my God, I just hired all these people with way more experience than I have. Are they going to like come in and like, you know, think I'm a, like, you know, and be like, oh my God, this Bobby guy doesn't know anything. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and like, you just have to kind of, um, you know, be confident and be proud of what you've accomplished so far and know that you have a lot to offer and, uh, you know, know that you can even like that hiring more experience uh, really smart folks on the team is only just is only gonna reflect even better on you and make you make the team better um, and um, you know just like trusting that uh, I think is really important and do you think that originally when you hired these uh, more junior people you were considering sort of the financial aspect or no, was I think it, more... it was just a confidence thing. I think it okay. was just a, hey, these are, you know, this is the seniority of folks that I know that I can go hire because, you know, uh, I'm their boss and or whatever, like I'm their manager and, you know, they expect to like learn from me and um, I don't think, like I didn't have the confidence necessarily to go out and hire somebody who had a tremendous amount more experience than I did. Right. It's interesting because I feel like the longer you're with an organization, especially you, you know, being with Intercom from 20 employees to that point, you must have very intimate knowledge of A, your department and B, the rest of the company, um, you know, as far as um, 
you know, uh, how the company operates and communicates. Um, and so was that just not something that you had at that point necessarily recognized? Um, or were you sort of just generally afraid of hiring those senior people because they were more advanced in their careers than you, for example? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a combination of a few things. Like, um, I mean, I think you, you, you got it right on the, the, the first point. It was, that, I think that was what helped me like get, you know, help me feel uh, better about it was knowing that, hey, look, I actually know Intercom really well and like I know the company well, I know the people here, I know like, so there's a lot that I can actually just, you know, offer by like hiring, like there's a lot that I can do to help the folks that I hire even if they're more senior than I am. Like, so that that is part of getting over it. Um, and then, I, yeah, I mean, it's like s smaller things. It's just like, you know, I can't tell you how many times I talked to folks that were like, you know, um, they think that like they should be my boss or, um, you know, they make more money than I do. How am I supposed to like make them an offer that is compelling to like join this company? Um, and like all, all those kind of like little things um, just make it harder. And I like, I, I know, I'm sure that there are other folks out there that, that, that struggle with the same thing. Um, and it's, you know, and it, and it, and it's also like, I had a lot of people that I would hire, say for example, the hardest role I had to fill was our controller. Controller basically is like that, you know, your head of accounting, the person who's like responsible for your financial statements, who is responsible for auditing uh, or for like uh, passing your financial audits. And you don't want somebody junior for that role. You want somebody who's done that before. You want your financial statements to be rock solid. You want, you know, that controller to like know what they're doing and you can trust them wholeheartedly. And um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I got on phone calls with prospective controllers or like, you know, folks and it was just, um, you know, uh, they're either looking for um, a very experienced CFO who can teach them kind of the next things that they need to know in their career so that they can become a CFO. Um, and like, I can't offer that. So like recognizing that I just couldn't offer that and I'd say, yeah, I can't offer you that, but I can offer you like, you know, I'm not going to get in your way. Like you want to go do something, believe you me, I'm going to let you go do that. Um, and I'm going to help you do that. And I'm going to enable you to do that. And, you know, we're going to do this. You're going to like get to build this thing with me, like as a partner. Um, I don't know, just a whole bunch of different like little things that kind of just make that, make that hard. But, um, once you can kind of overcome it again, like, it just transformed my job, my role, my work-life balance, all that kind of fun stuff. Okay. So I feel like we've covered a lot, Bobby. If there was one thing that you could do all over again um, and do differently, what would that be? I mean, uh, hire a data engineer. That's definitely uh, uh, invest more in kind of uh, in like hire a data engineers. Like that's too simple. But it's 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 really. I mean, right. I'd probably say in the very if I could do anything again from the very beginning, it would be invest more on the kind of data side. Um, that I think again is it's the like foundations upon which you build this whole team, the analytics teams 
the the kind of like way in which every single department, uh, every function in the company understands the business and is you know measured and um, to the extent that you can get that foundation, it's not never going to be rock solid and it's never going to be perfect, but to the extent that you can get it, uh, you know to a pretty great, pretty good place early on and build on it and get to kind of like a framework that you can use and scale. Um, that would be, I think my kind of, if I were doing this again, that'd be the very first thing that I would, that's the thing I'd probably spend significantly more time thinking about. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Bobby. And, and, and thanks for joining the first episode of inside the scale. I hope that, Others can learn from Bobby's experiences and you know, take their own companies to the next level. I've, I'm really humbled by, by Bobby and, and how open he's been during our, our talk. I think he's really someone to uh, look up to and uh, keep an eye on in the future. Well, th thanks, Adam. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm uh, excited to be a part of this and be, uh, be your very first guest. <laughs>